welcome to another episode of TV Sessions. Uh, we're back to talk about Better Call Saul, the best show on TV, uh, final season. This is exciting shit every week. Um, my name's Gabe, and I'm here with my co-host, Luke. How's it going? It's going well. I'm glad, glad to be here, as always, for yeah. our weekly Saul discussion. Our weekly Saul discussion. Yeah, it's great, man. Monday nights are the best night of the week for, for yep. a couple of weeks. It's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yep. Better Call Saul is the only thing that can make you say that. Yeah, it is. Mondays <laughs> that, suck. My, yeah. <laughs> but not not now. Not for this month or two or whatever it is. Six weeks for, or seven yeah. weeks. For seven weeks, Mondays are the best. Yeah, it's not long enough. Six. I agree. Dude, we have one episode left. I'm so sad. One episode left. And then we have to wait. Ugh. Fuck. Mondays great. are just... Yeah, great reaction. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, I'm excited though. Like this, I, oh, I, I, every time there's a new episode, I'm just like, oh, discussing this shit is just the best. I, I yeah. this show is something special for me. It's just, I'll admit I'm biased. Like this is like, I'm never going to be disappointed. <laughs> this show is just but fucking. Everyone's biased when it comes to like talking about certain shows. Cause it's, yep. yep. There's no, there's no objective way to talk about it. So you're just going to, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like this is a special piece of art for me. And like, no matter what happens every week, I'm just going to fawn over this piece of art that I've been watching for seven years. And like, I honestly don't give a shit what other people say. Cause I I've read some really um, like pretty negative comments on this season so far. And I, at first I was like rubbed the wrong way. And I'm like, I should be standing up for my favorite show. Like, no, people are wrong. And then I just realized like people are entitled to their own opinions and who gives a fuck. You know what I mean? Like I shouldn't care if other people aren't liking this season. Like I I'm loving yeah. it. Like every episode I'm just, adoring watching these characters and like if other people aren't finding it that good that's fine like it's totally fair like i don't have to fight back against that you know yeah 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 for me this season i think i would say seasons three and five are easily my standout favorites but i'm enjoying six as much as like one two and four i would say yeah but this is only half over like and it's only is, half over that, like that's wait till you get the back half of, like th- yeah like you you mentioned season five there the first half of season five wasn't that great. Like it was the back half that like cements season five as greatness. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like people are well, too the first early three episodes. Well, especially episode three of season five. I thought were really fucking good. That's true. That's true. Well, I guess five I guess... had a pretty great start. Yeah. Episode three of season six was also great too. So what am I talking yeah. about? But yeah. people, people <laughs> are saying, feel, though. people like, are saying nothing's happened. And like Nacho died in episode three. Like chill out. Like, <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Like Nacho literally died. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think we've ever had an event that's that big. Like Nacho died. The guy's yeah. been in the show since season one, episode two, or like, like dude, he's been around forever and he died. Yeah. Like, and people are like, this season is so slow. I get that they're focusing on the the episodes after Nacho died, but you can't just have constant people dying. Like they gave you Nacho dying, and now they're taking their time again. Like there's mm. nothing wrong with that. And like I'm just loving every scene, every character moment. Yes, it's moving slow. Yes, we aren't getting the huge moments yet, but I just have so much faith that they're coming and like it's just gonna be yeah. it's just gonna hit so hard. It, and it's getting me more invested in what's to come, you know? It's the faith that it's coming that makes the seemingly like mundane moments, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. so enjoyable. Because you yeah. know what's around the corner. Yeah. You you've I, seen what they've done before. Yeah. And I can understand people using the word mundane because yes, there's scenes where Gus is like brushing a bathtub with a toothbrush and like Mike's walking around. But for me, those are great scenes. Like I I, I realize in a few months we're never gonna see these characters again. So like I'm just enjoying every moment we can get, you know, like it, it's still great TV for me. Yeah, because well, those like like the scene with Gus 
um, scrubbing the bathtub, like, yeah, it's like quiet. They're not really talking, but you know, like the state of anxiety that they're going yeah. through knowing like Lalo's coming. So like, exactly. you feel that tension, you feel that exactly. tension, even though nothing's happening. Yeah. This is a very interesting intro. Cause like, we, we're just kind of going season oh, overview yeah. and like, I just realized <laughs> this is supposed to be about a specific episode, but you know what? We're leaving that in. I, I love feel it. Like it's just better. It's just yeah. better call Saul, man. We just started with a talk on the state of better call Saul. Cause I know a lot of people are unhappy with the season so far. And I'm, I'm realizing like, I'm done with like reading other opinions. Like literally my, my method at this point, is I, I'm just going to watch the episode, I'm going to rewatch the episode, and then I'm going to listen to the Insider Podcast, which is the creators of the show, because their opinions matter the most, they literally made the show, um, and then that's it, like, I don't need to read, like, all these other people, like, and maybe, like, a, a couple things here and there, but, like, at the same time, I'm just, like, I, I, when I finish an episode, I'm on such a high, and then if I read some comments that are, like, negative, it just brings me down a bit, and I'm, like, I don't need that shit, you know, like, who cares? Yeah, I do yeah. understand that, though, because you want it's like a community like the better call saw community you want yeah. everyone to be enjoying it along with you you want like to experience that with other people yeah but at the but, same time you that's probably right though you like if you know it's good you're enjoying it that's all that matters at it's, the end of the day a tv show is something you experience on your own like yeah. it is like right and if i am loving the shit out of every scene and every character like i don't really need other people's validation you know what i mean like that's that's mm -hmm. what i'm trying to say like as much as and there are still people that are loving it like i know you're loving it like i i know my aunt is actually a huge fan shout out to my auntie deborah um she, she, she's a huge fan huge fan of better call Saul. seriously and she listens to the podcast and like so like i i have a lot oh, of what's folks, up Aunt deb yeah thanks for shouting her out luke i appreciate that yeah. um <laughs> she'll, she'll love it yeah no it's like this this show i i know a lot of people personally that love the show just as much as me like my brothers you like a few friends so like when i go on reddit and some random person is like this isn't good it shouldn't affect my experience you know what i mean yeah like yeah yeah, yeah i get a little pissed reading some imdb reviews like f like people giving the episodes five out of tens and shit like that yeah it's, it's like, like wow and like but, i can admit i'm biased i am biased but you know what i don't care i love this show and like <laughs> like let people enjoy things you know what i mean i'm enjoying this i don't need to yeah. be all like oh it's too slow like fuck it i love these characters it's so good the, i i have a feeling that the naysayers will be proved wrong yes but, so i was i was thinking of doing something on reddit where i was gonna like take screenshots of all these negative comments and then save them for later in the season and be like yep. post it on reddit and be like look at how dumb everyone was but i'm like that's too petty that's too extra i can't care that much <laughs> well yeah. i mean you can do it no I, i'd say there's like a non-petty way to do it yeah i mean but yeah I I don't Maybe need to screenshots do is the problem is it's much. too much work it's just too much work I don't need to put that much work yeah. into saying hey guys you suck like <laughs> yeah see you're wrong yeah anyways okay let's get into the episode yeah. so this Saul, is, that was a lot of just random talk on the state of Saul because a lot of people are unhappy with the season so far and I'm not I'm loving it um and I, I I'm not saying the majority of people just a lot of people I've seen I'd say like it's kind of like split 50 50 to be honest like I'd say like half the fan base is totally loving this season and I, I'd honestly say, like, another half of the fan base is kind of, like, a little underwhelmed. Like, they're a little underwhelmed. And that's fine. But, like, I, I love the slowness. And I feel like a majority of the criticisms are at the pacing. It's like, oh, it's too slow for me. And for me, that just doesn't apply because the slow pace is part of the show's charm for me. And it's part of what makes it great. So, um, anyways, that's that's enough talk on, like, the state of Saul. Let's just get into this week's yeah, episode. That was a good intro, though. That was, yeah. that was a good intro. We'll keep that in. It's just kind of an interesting talk on on the, the show as a whole and the season as a whole. So um, this week's episode, it was called Axe and Grind. Uh, it was the sixth episode. It was written by Ariel Levine, and it was directed by Giancarlo Esposito. Um, so Gus directed this episode, 
and there was no mm. Gus in the episode. So I thought that was pretty cool that we didn't get any Gus scenes, but Gus directed the episode. Pretty cool, eh? Did you realize that mm-hmm. there was no Gus in this? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, and I figured that was a... Um, well, it's not really his... It's, it wouldn't be um, Giancarlo's decision to direct the episode that he wasn't in. But that probably factored into it a little bit, maybe, because it's probably a really yeah. hard... Like, I feel like they gave Ray Seahorn a lot of pressure where it's like, you're directing this and you're going to act in this. Whereas for True. Giancarlo, he didn't have to. So I think you're right. I think that but, probably went into it. They're like, you know what? It makes sense to give him an episode where he doesn't have to act in it. Right. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking, yeah, of course they choose the director before. I mean, after it's written. I was thinking yeah. the other way around for some odd reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, the writers, yeah. you're right. The writing is probably a little random. It's like you get this episode, you get this, because they break it as a whole, I'm pretty sure. Like I've listened to a lot of behind the scenes and the way Saul works is the whole writer's room together breaks every episode. So they have an outline for every episode. And then they kind of split up each episode and they're like, okay, you write the script for this one. You write the script for that one. You're right. That process is probably a little random, but for directing, I don't think it's random. I think it's like, oh, this person would be good for this one. And yep. like they, they gave Ray Seahorn one that had a lot of Kim and they were like, you're going to have to direct and act. And that must've been a lot for her. Whereas for Giancarlo, they were like, there's no Gus in this. I think this is a good opportunity for you to direct and just like take mm-hmm. on the show. And it's pretty cool to think of, there was a lot of like Jimmy and Kim intimate scenes in this episode. And it felt like, it's just a weird thought for me. Like, like Gus was behind the camera. Yeah. Like Gus was directing <laughs> Jimmy and Kim. Like, it's just funny he to stands, think with. Gus yeah. is a Jimmy and Kim stand. Yeah. That's I, funny. I saw a really funny joke on Twitter. Um, That was, uh, it's like, it was a picture of Giancarlo directing Ray Seahorn. And it was like a quote from Ray where it's like, was that good? And then Gus is like, it is acceptable. <laughs> it is not up to Los Poyos standards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's, when he, that's when you know these characters are great. It's like you can't separate them from the actors. Like they're just these yeah. characters. Like it's, it's so good. Even though like Gus and Giancarlo are completely contrasting personalities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're so but, different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Testament yeah. to how great an actor he is though. Yeah. Shout out Giancarlo. Totally and, and also Ray Seahorn's totally different from Kim. Like she's like, Ray Seahorn's very like charismatic and like bubbly and like loves talking to people. Whereas like Kim is very like straight and serious. So like mm-hmm. they're, they're very different too. Um, like a lot of, yeah. and also Jonathan Banks and Mike, they're very different too. Like Jonathan Banks is like a jokester. He swears all the time. He like doesn't yeah. give a shit about stuff. And then Mike is like so stoic and serious. So like but, all the actors are so different from their characters. It's great. But you, you see a lot of Jonathan Banks in mike though because jonathan banks is like a really sensitive emotional guy and i that's think that's true. what and that's where um mike is very stoic and hard-headed but like he has the empathetic side and that, that couldn't be yeah. done without jonathan maybe you're banks, right maybe the family the family side of mike is really that's what jonathan banks loves to do yep. i think yeah yeah you're yeah that's a good point um yeah we're, that's we're really why dis- they wrote mike like that yeah yeah we're really disorganized here but i don't care i'm having a great yeah, time whatever. Yeah. We're passionate, so who cares? Um, Usually when we have a few beers, our podcasts yeah. go like this, so we should drink more often. Yeah, it's more fun. Like, we're, we are cracking some drinks for this one. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's just fun to talk about a show we love and drink a little bit. It's just, it just makes it more fun, you know? Yeah. Okay, Um, we can get more, more into... Hyped. Yeah, it does get us more hyped. We can get more into the episode specifically. So, um, also, one thing, I've been listening to the Insider podcast, and something that really was weird to me is that when they introduced Giancarlo Esposito, apparently everyone has been pronouncing his name wrong because his last name is pronounced Esposito. Like the, the syllable is like different. Like it's like Esposito. Uh, Esposito. Do you... And Esposito. 
Yeah, it's Giancarlo Esposito. It's Giancarlo Esposito, which is, sounds so weird to me. When they introduced oh, him on Giancarlo? the podcast. Yeah, it's Giancarlo Esposito. Like his last like name. Giancarlo. Oh, you know, you're right. It's Giancarlo. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think. I, I was but, saying that earlier. No, yeah. you're right. Because I was so saying the just, same thing. I don't know but why. Like, but the last name is the weird part. Like, everyone thinks it's Esposito, but it's Esposito. Like, it's completely mm. different. The syllable is like, that just chirped me out. And I was like, I think he just mispronounced his name. And then I took a second and I was like, wait a minute. He probably knows him way better than me. I'm pretty sure the guys on the Insider podcast know how to pronounce his name. So I think the rest yeah. of the world just got it wrong because it looks like Esposito. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, just a random thought, but who cares? Okay, so yeah. let's get it. Let's get into the episode. So, Axe and Grind. Uh, we talked about the writers and directors. So, general thoughts. What What did you think of the episode overall? I know last week you thought it was a little weaker. Did you think this one was around this, the same or a little better? This one was better. This one was an better? eight out of ten. I would say. Um, nice. I gave it an eight. Um, yeah, good salsa. Uh, yeah, good scenes. Um, I love another setup. Well, I I don't know. Yeah, I guess you could say it's a setup episode. Um, really. Looking forward to what Jimmy and Kim pull off next yeah. episode. Yeah. They're setting the stage for that really well. I'm super excited to see what the fuck goes down. Yeah. And I didn't take the D-Day joke too seriously at first. Mm-hmm. But now that I think about it, something can go seriously wrong for Jimmy and Kim. But mm-hmm. ultimately, like D-Day, I think they'll prevail. Like yeah. they'll, they'll still um, fuck over Howard. But I think things could be rough a little bit. Think something might go wrong again. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's, it's a good one. It's one that like really built you hype for the next one. Yeah. 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 And you think it was like more successful than last week at that? Um, yeah, I would yeah. say, well, I don't know about in terms of stage setting, but just um, in terms of overall enjoyment, I would say better episode mm-hmm. than last week. Better episode than last week. Even, awesome even though that. they're kind of like on the same level, but I enjoyed it even more. Yeah. So you enjoyed this one more. That's great to hear. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I love this episode. I know I'm a broken record, um, but <laughs> there's never like at this point, I think it was actually Omar. Shout out to Omar, one of our big fans from last week who I gave a shout out to. Um, we were just talking like briefly and he said, quote, I'm so invested in this show and the characters at this point, it's impossible for me to not enjoy an episode. And I'm like, that's, yeah. you, you literally just read my mind. Like, that's what it is. It's like, it's impossible for me to not enjoy it, but I like this one a lot. Like, I think this one's up there. Um, my, probably not my favorite of the season yet, but like, it's close. Like, it's close. And a big reason why is um, uh, is Kim. Like, there was a lot of Kim in this episode. Like, it really fleshed out Kim. And I've told you many times, she's my favorite character. Um, and she just got so much focus. And I think it was just fascinating watching her in so many scenes. I think this was Ray Seahorn's best episode so far. Um, like I thought she was fantastic through the whole episode. She was just so fun to watch. And also one reason I love this episode and it's up there as one of my favorites, um, is probably because you know how I do that rewatch strategy where I watch it the Monday night and then the next week I rewatch it for this Mm. episode. I couldn't hold off that. I I actually watched it twice on Monday. Like I I had to, like I watched the episode and I was like, that was so good. I can't wait for next week. And then I was like, I need to watch this again. So I literally watched (laughs) it again. And I got to say, the rewatch in the same night was even better. Like I noticed so many things I didn't notice on first watch and it was in the same night. Like, so the show is just something special. If you can watch an episode twice in the same night and get so much more out of it and enjoy it even more the second time, like that's when, you know, the show is just loaded with great stuff. And I'll even admit this was still a setup episode. It's still a setup episode, but I still was able to watch it twice and love it like both times the whole time. Like it's just, yeah, I really love it. It's just so rich with details. The show. Yeah, the details. Oh, I can't wait to get into the details. Yeah, so many good details. Yeah, 
I think I, I need to do what you do for 6B and just rewatch every episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think another reason I did it was because I realized the end of the show is coming. I think this was like the first episode where there was two scenes. We'll talk about one of them. We'll, we'll go scene by scene later, but there's a specific scene towards the end that really felt like the end of the show is coming. And like, I think that made me sad that I was like, I have to rewatch this immediately. Like I need to just watch this. I, think I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We'll get into that stuff. And yeah, it's just oh, like, man. There's, there's this this show is so like this is just a setup episode but it's still just a perfect viewing experience for me and that's where the bias comes in i am a fanboy but it's because i've been watching it for seven years and like i can understand casual fans being like this is slow i need things to happen but even the build-up for me is still like a 10 out of 10 viewing experience it's just so good so what's the would you give this episode a 10 or a 9 i gave it a 9 i'm still saving the 10s for the big ones i guess yeah i, I, would I, give I it figured a nine. you would yeah, I figured yeah. you would. Because because there's gonna be some huge things coming, and like we're still gonna get those big episodes. They have to give you answers for what happens to these characters, and like we haven't got the answers yet. And I think people are getting a little impatient because it's like give me answers, but we're only halfway through the season, guys. Like give it some time. I know it's tough because like we're watching it once a week, but there's still so much good stuff to chew on. And yeah, um, okay. Um, so before we dive into the specifics, um, we've been fan- I've been fanboying a lot, especially. Um, but one thing I just want to say in general about this episode that I really enjoyed, and I don't know if other people felt this too, but one thing I'm loving about, sure, like the last three episodes are setup episodes. It's true. But I don't know about you, but there's kind of like this sense of anxiety and darkness that feels like it's kind of like, it's kind of building. Like it kind of feels like in these last three episodes, you're like, you're going up the roller coaster. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. this is the buildup and like, it's getting scarier and darker and you're getting more anxious. And then we, we haven't quite hit the top of the roller coaster where we all go crashing down. And I feel like that crash down is coming. But yeah. what, I, what I really loved, especially about this one was it felt like the darkest it's felt yet where like I'm really getting anxious about things happening. And I feel like it was very dark and um, anxiety inducing this episode, but it also still had some good comedy. So like, I think this episode was almost one of the best ones at juggling tones. Like Saul is so good at juggling like comedy and drama, but yeah. I feel like this was like one of the best ones where like their precision on like the the darkness and the drama and the comedy was like very impressive in this one. Yeah. I thought that about episode four as well, but yeah, this one too. Yeah. Four is a good one. I think four was even more comedic though. Cause it had like that hilarious Howard thing. Whereas this yeah. one had more darkness to it, but then it had mm-hmm. like a couple really funny scenes that we'll get into. Yeah. But- yeah. Um, I just, the way they juggle all these tones, is, it's just such a good show. Yeah, so good. And I think you, you mentioned the whole roller coaster analogy. And I think we're at the top now. I think Kim's speeding away at the end. We're at the top and we're about to go crashing yeah. down. It's, it's, th- it's going to be intense. It's going to be, be crazy. Intense. I know we're going to talk about like specific scenes. We're going to go in order, but I got yeah. chills at the end. Like, I was I'm, like, I'm glad oh, to hear fuck, that. Yeah. I, I'm glad to hear that because we'll get there. We're going to go, we're going to go yeah. chronologically and we're going to end with that ending because holy fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's get, let's start with the opening. So um, we got a Kim flashback and I love this scene so much. Mm. And the biggest reason I love this scene is I feel like it's so complex because there's no right or wrong answer for how to interpret it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel mm. like you could have like 10 different interpretations on the scene and none of them would be wrong. Like, I feel like, that's what's so great about these Kim flashbacks. It's kind of the second one we've had. And I feel like there's no, like, there's nothing they're spelling out for you. Like they're not saying this is the reason Kim is like this. Like it's very subtle about what they want the audience to take away from the scene. And like, I'm not sure if I'm right about what I took away from it. Like, I feel like you could have so many different interpretations and I feel like 
what's so good about this scene is it really does justice to how complex Kim Wexler is. Cause like, yeah, I don't know how to read the scene almost like, but, but I feel like yeah. I got something out of it, but I'm not quite sure same. what it is. I, like, it's just such a great, boat. it's such a great flashback. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be, I, I didn't know what my exact read was, but if I had to lean towards one interpretation, it would be, it sort of conveys why Kim is with Jimmy and why she sticks by him and why she doesn't go to that fundraiser. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you're the way your relationship with your parents often determines how you treat your relationships when you're older. Mm-hmm. So I think Kim received a love as a kid by putting up with um, unethical behavior. And yeah. And so that's why she sticks with Jimmy. That's what, because mm-hmm. she puts up with all Jimmy's antics. So like, that's how, like, yeah. that's the way, that's like how she naturally feels loved, I guess. That's like, a that's, really good way to put it. It's like, it's a little bit of like, when she was a kid, it feels like she rejected her mom's behavior. Like she was like, oh, my mom is not a responsible parent at all. But then as she gets older, it's like, she kind of gets drawn to Jimmy for his unethical behavior because she's seeing, there's some something about the way she, related to her mom because I'm sure she still loved her mom even though she didn't like the way she was treated sometimes and like right there's something about Jimmy just brings out the side of her where it's like it brings her back to her childhood a little bit or something and there's just there's just so many ways to read the scene and I gotta say yeah I love the way it opens with Kim's foot like the the child Kim like the younger Kim her foot tapping because as soon as it had her foot tapping I knew it was Kim right away because there was a scene earlier in hit and run where Kim's foot was tapping right do you right. remember that yeah I didn't, I didn't realize right away that it was Kim though, for that reason. So that's yeah. a good point. I, I did right away. I was like, this is Kim. We're going to see young Kim. And then it was the same actor. Cause we saw, and then I got to say the casting of these two spot on spot on. Yeah. It's took the, the best words out of my casting mouth. since like for flashback scenes anyway, since like young Chuck, I thought young Chuck like yes. sounded like the, that was the best. Yeah, it and sounded that, and, exactly like. And Chuck. the crazy thing about the guy who played Young Chuck in the season three finale was he was he was Young Chuck for like ten seconds, whereas like this yeah, young, this young Kim, like... this young Kim has had like almost five minutes of screen time. Like this this child actress who they've got to play Young Kim, she's had like a lot to do and like long scenes. And the mom, the mom apparently studied Ray Seahorn's mannerisms. I don't know if you knew that. Like the actress who plays Kim's mom studied Ray Seahorn's mannerisms, and I there, can see why. Like, yeah, there's some people that literally thought she was played by Ray Seahorn. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Like, she, it was that convincing. Yeah, like they're, they're like the fact that Ray played her mom. That some people were saying like the fact that Ray played Kim's mom really took me out of it. It's like uh, <laughs> that actually wasn't. That that's wasn't not right. actually her. <laughs> but that's a testament to how fucking awesome the casting was. So that's yeah, funny. it was so good. And I got to say. Like a minute into that Kim flashback, when when young Kim starts talking, it made me think of Wexler v. Goodman, the, the episode in season five, because yeah. that was an, that was the other time we got a flashback. Yep. And in midway through this flashback scene we got, I was thinking about how Wexler v. Goodman ended, where Kim proposes marriage. And I was thinking to myself as oh. I watched, as I was watching this flashback, I was thinking to myself, the ending is going to be a big Kim moment, and it it's exactly what it was. It was. I, I was watching this flashback like I I am not looking forward to what's going to happen at the end here because I was like, this is going this is not going to be good for Kim. Like it's it's Kim choosing Jimmy. That's how it yeah. ended. Yeah. Both times we've gotten young Kim. That's <laughs> what really makes me think that Kim's relationship with her mom is why she chooses Jimmy. Both yeah, times I, we've gotten flashbacks, she's cho- chosen Jimmy by the end of the episode. So yeah. like this one's a little more complex though, because 
we'll, we'll get to the end scene soon, but Jimmy doesn't want her to come back. That's what's so interesting about it. Like it's her own. I think what it is. I think Jimmy knows Kim well enough though. Yeah. I think you could be right. Jimmy might be 50, 50. He doesn't want her to come back, but at the same time, he's like, he was yeah. like, Kim, you know what I'm saying? He's waiting yeah. for her to. Yeah. We'll, we'll get more into interpretations of the ending, but, but I, I feel like what it is more, it's, they, they give you a Kim flashback whenever there's an ending scene where Kim makes a very controversial decision. Cause right. I got to say like this episode for sure. And especially Wexler V. Goodman too. She makes a decision that's probably not a good one. And is a very controversial one. And they give so you kind of some backstory before that happens, which works really well, I think. So you're saying um, it's not specifically Jimmy. It's just more mm-hmm. so controversial decision. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. I think it's yeah. more just Kim herself making a decision that's not a good one, but it helps you understand why she made that decision. I would say that's a good point. Yeah, not yeah. Jimmy specifically, but mm-hmm. yeah. But, but yeah, I we'll get to that. that ending scene soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but just the opening, man. Like, oh, I love these Kim flashback scenes. She's so complex. I feel like a psychologist could fucking analyze that scene and write a paper on it. Like, right. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, um, I did my then, best to psychoanalyze it. <laughs> yeah, I tried yeah, to. Like, I don't, know. I don't know shit about. Well, You're definitely onto something. You're onto something. It does what? explain a little bit about her. Right why she, it explains a little bit about why she's drawn to Jimmy because she's had a past where like where her mom was very unethical and like. She had a, she probably had a thrill from conning people every now and then. And her mom was kind of acting in that scene where she was like pulling off a con. And I feel like we've seen Kim kind of do that a little bit. One, one that really comes to mind for me is the, the scene in season four when Kim's on crutches. Do you remember that con? When mm. Kim's on crutches in season four. And they spill the milk. And they spill the milk. Kim's really acting up. And I feel like her ability to do that probably might have, a lot of people think it comes from Jimmy, but I think it came from her mom too. When you, when you think yeah. about this flashback, her mom did put on quite a performance there where she's like, I'm yeah. a serious parent. I'm going to punish my kid. And then they leave the store and she's like, oh, Kim, I can't believe you did that. Good job. Here's your earrings. <laughs> like, yeah. It just shows that yeah. her mom could pull off a con just as well as Jimmy could pull off a con, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great point. Yeah. Um, and then last thing, two more things, actually. <laughs> this flashback scene was so good. So um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Walter White in the way there, in a way where for a lot of Breaking Bad, you're thinking um, Walter White always had it in him, right? You're thinking like, oh, he always had an ego in him. And the circumstances of Breaking Bad kind of brought out his ego. And I feel like a lot of people in this show are thinking, oh, Jimmy's bad for Kim. Jimmy's bad for Kim. But I feel like this flashback scene kind of cements that Kim is kind of similar to Walter White, where she mm-hmm. always had it in her. She always had it in her, this, this unethical side that likes to lash out. And she kind of got it from her mom. And it's not yep. about it's not about Jimmy being bad for her. It's Jimmy brings out the worst in her, is what yep. it is. Yeah. So in a way, he is bad for her, but it's not solely on him. Yeah. Kim's- it's like it's it's always been inside Kim, which I think makes yeah. her way more complex and interesting. Yeah. 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 Kim's Kim's compliant yep. in this. Like, yeah. Absolutely. And then last two things. Um, <laughs> sorry. So these are just specific things. So First of all, no, no need to apologize. This is the, this is the shit. Yeah. This yeah. is what we're here for. This is the shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're reassuring me. We're, we're, yeah. we're drinking for this. I'm going very nerdy for this one. And I don't Yeah. Care. This can go an um, hour. I don't care. Yeah. Can go longer than that. Whatever yeah. the conversation takes us. Exactly, man. We're, we're probably like 40 minutes in at this point. We're still, in the <laughs> opening. I don't yeah. think 40 minutes, but who cares? Um, so yeah, y'all are in for a treat tonight. We're, yeah, we're going hard. We're talking about better calls off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say, the last two things of the scene. Um, so the way it ends, there's a close-up on the Nebraska license plate. Did you catch that? 
Yeah. So it's kind of making me think we're going to talk about Kim's fate towards the end when we make predictions. But I think they're ki- they're either trying to mislead the audience or they're trying to foreshadow. But mm-hmm. the Nebraska license plate close up makes me think we're going to see Kim in the Gene timeline. Like I really because he's in Nebraska, right, Gene? So I think yeah. they're kind of heavily implying that with that close up. Did oh, you make? I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to point out is the earrings. Did you did you notice the earrings? So uh, the earrings. I didn't notice like the specific. So the earrings that like. the earrings that her mom gives her at the end of the scene, she's worn those through the entire show. Did you realize that? Oh fuck! Yeah, you Damn. didn't realize that. Oh, I'm glad no. I fucking put that in your head. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the the one the way I was able to remember because I I had no clue my first watch it was my rewatch when I rewatched the opening flashback, and I looked at the earrings again. She's wearing them throughout this episode. And then I realized there's a really good montage. This is like for the diehard fans. If anyone listening remembers the scene, you're a beauty and I love you. But <laughs> there's a scene in early season three, one of my favorite Kim montages where, um, where it shows like a two minute montage of Kim getting ready for work. I don't know if you remember this. She goes to a gym and she showers and she yeah. like, gets ready for work. And there's a really clear shot of her putting her earrings on. And it's like, she points the earrings in a very specific way. And like, I was uh, thinking about that scene on my rewatch. I was like, those are definitely the same earrings. It's almost like they had it planned. If they yeah. like deliberately showed her turning this, yeah. the earrings towards the camera. Yeah. And then also on the insider podcast, they, they, they confirmed it. I listened to the insider uh, podcast after I did my rewatch. And one of the people on the podcast was like, Kim has has worn those earrings the whole show, right? And they confirmed it. So the earrings she's worn the whole show are the ones her mom gave her in this flashback. And it also reminds me of the ring that Jimmy wears. You know how Jimmy wears the Marco ring? Like, so it's like, they're they're kind of like giving- Dude. Yeah. (laughs) So they're they're giving you like visual cues for like the- They stick to the roots sort of, you know? Yeah, of like Jimmy and Kim's past. I love it. Like it's just, uh, it gives it so much meaning. Fuck, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's just reflective of who they are. As yeah. People. Yeah. It's their, I'm, gl- I'm, glad, I'm glad I was able to like reveal that to you and you didn't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then last thing I want to say is the ending of that scene. Her mom says to Kim, relax, you got away with it. And that kind of yeah. makes me worried for the future because I think she's yeah. not going to get away with it. That, that concept, that notion that she can get away with shit has been drilled into her head. And then Jimmy's reinforcing it in episode four, I think it was, or yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. relax, we're going to get away. No one knows. He, he reinforced that idea that mm-hmm. her mom has, yeah, her mom has taught her. So yeah, yep. it's going to come crashing down because she's in over her head for sure. Yeah, it's very worrying. But yeah, I just thought that ending scene, uh, that was, uh, that flashback was so great. Okay, um, let's move on. So the next part was a, probably one of the best scenes of the whole episode in my opinion we got howard's personal life we met his wife i i love this scene i don't know what did you think of this scene did you say in the whole show or the whole episode one of the best scenes in the whole episode i meant oh okay yeah. i was yeah, gonna yeah, say yeah. like yeah. I that's a show, stretch a yeah <laughs> i was like yeah. i put no, yeah not the whole show i said but one of the best scenes in the whole episode i think yeah was, was this howard scene because we've never seen his home we've never seen his wife we're, we're getting Howard's personal life and I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Um, I think if out of context, you would think his wife is, I don't know, I guess you could say a bitch, but um, <laughs> I think there's obviously more. We clearly yeah. haven't seen her. She's probably justified it in her yeah. anger. We, we don't know so, her well enough. Right. So yeah. Yeah. She's clearly mad at Howard for something. 
Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to come into play whenever Howard gets into legal trouble. Mm. Um, He's not going to have the support of, of his personal yeah. life, which is kind of yeah. sad. Yeah. 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 And yeah. It, the, the, the visual storytelling here was so damn good. Did you get the little subtle touch where he makes her this like perfect latte? It has yeah, a and then she sign. Just... She just dumps it. Yep. <laughs> and, and there's like a great shot. Patrick Fabian, who plays Howard, kills it. His facial expression when he notices her dump it, it was like two seconds. And it was just, it says so much with no words. It's perfect. And it, obviously we don't know the whole story, but it sucks because it seems like Howard, whatever, regardless of what he's done with his wife, he's trying to change. He's making her a nice coffee. He, he wants to be a good person, mm-hmm. but she's clearly done with his bullshit. So yeah, he, he's trying to fix their marriage and she's just not having it and she's ignoring him and he's not getting what he wants. And it's just sad. It's just yeah, sad. Like it, it truly is. This is what I mean. By, ever since Chuck died, his character has been so tragic. It's it just really fucking... has. Yeah. And th- this is what I mean by these last three episodes, what they're doing so well is they're getting you invested in the characters. And like, this is what Better Call Saul does is they make you care about the characters because sure, not that much has happened the past three episodes, but it makes you care about what's going to happen. Like I'd mm-hmm. rather be watching a show where I actually care about what's happening than watching a show where a lot of things happen. A great example is Ozark. Let's let's shit on Ozark yeah, a little more. Oh yeah. Th- throwback to I shitting seen on it, Ozark. Fuck Ozark. I know I you haven't the seen first it. two episodes. I'm but... glad you haven't seen it, but I have. And yeah. so much shit happens in Ozark. People die in like every in tons of episodes. There's all this crazy shit happening, and I don't give a shit. And <laughs> so unrealistic like, shit too on top yeah, of that. Yeah. So it's like I'd rather have a scene where I care about every single character because like i'm gonna like there's gonna be some sad shit coming for howard and i'm gonna care more about howard because of what i've seen in these last three episodes we've gotten to know him way better than in any other season so like sure you can make the argument season six is moving slowly but they're they're fleshing out the characters really well especially howard i think this is the best we've ever gotten to know him and especially in this episode and i love the performance i love the character i think the writing for him is great and i i feel bad for him his marriage is in shambles and whatever Jamie and Kim are going to do is it's, it's going to send him over the edge. Didn't you predict he might kill himself last week or something? Yeah. He, I, I think, think he's still, I, I'm still, I'm still thinking he will. I, I, my reaction to that was no way, but I'm starting to think it's possible, man. Like it's possible. Like we, we never know. And it's, it's brutal, man. Like his wife does not give a shit about it. It's, it's brutal. Cause when and I, I thought that whole Howard suicide thing, that, that scene in the bathroom with Jimmy in season four, when he's like really like down horrendous that's when that idea was like kind of first came to mind like this guy is not doing well this is definitely someone that could be prone to suicide Mm -hmm. and and now it's in motion i can definitely see it happening yeah i'm still i think i think i still think it's slightly more likely that he dies from the cartel but i gotta say the percentage of him killing himself has definitely gone up after this episode like i think dude his name is he's gonna have no one he's gonna have no one his wife like no yeah. one's gonna think he's a good person and it's really gonna fucking ruin him like yeah. it's just gonna like and it was cool to see him bring up to his wife like chuck's brother and like to, to talk about like jimmy in the context of it's just a really interesting dynamic to see his home life and yeah it really makes me curious also another thing is um on the insider podcast so did you recognize howard's wife at all the actress i did not because i recognized her when i watched it both times but i couldn't place her and when i listened to the insider podcast um, the one of the editors, Chris McCaleb, who who kind of hosts it a little bit, he mentioned that this actress who played Howard's wife was in Mr. Robot. And do you remember she she played Susan Jacobs? Do you remember the house? Oh, I, wait, the, the house that the girl Darlene, got strangled. 
remember remember they take over that house oh they hack yeah, yeah. a house and it's it's some corporate woman's house that's yeah. that's susan jacobs should, so she we should uh fuck i was gonna say is there any way that we can edit in uh incoming mr robot spoilers yeah sorry guys mr robot spoilers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah mr robot spoilers uh it's okay it's in season two it's one of the weaker seasons yeah i'm sorry i maybe i'll edit that out like the, the killing part but yeah she was she was susan jacobs and mr robot so that's i was like when i heard that on the podcast i was like that's what i recognized her from. I, yeah. I recognized her from something yeah i didn't even cross i didn't even think she looked familiar at the time so yeah yeah but um yeah i'm just happy we met howard's wife i think i kind of called that i think during howard's therapy session i was like maybe we'll get more of his personal life and that's exactly what happened so it was kind of satisfying to see that come come into play yeah and we'll, I'm sure we'll see more too. Yeah, I think so. Um, I just dread next episode for Howard, man. Like, oh, I, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen to him, but they got something planned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last thing I want to talk about in terms of Howard is there's after that great scene with his wife, there's a scene with the PI that he hired. Remember, and the PI gives him all these photos. Um, and I was kind of thinking to myself, is, is this part of Jimmy and Kim's plan? Because I think it might be. I think they know that Howard hired a PI. And they're clearly preparing some sort of photos. So I think they know they're being watched. Um, but I was also even thinking to myself, maybe this PI was hired by Jimmy and Kim. Don't you think there's a chance? Like, I did that see someone say that. He could have planted this PI. Like, and, and that's like, I, I'm like 50-50. I think it's possible I can see it. that they just it's knew just... Howard would hire someone. And they're like, okay, we're going to take these photos out in the open so they see them. Or they like manufactured their own photos that they're going to like kind of hand over to that PI somehow. Or there's a chance they hired them himself. And either way, it's it's pretty interesting where this PI stuff is gonna go. I I I can see that, but you, you'll have to remind me or like um explain this to me. How would Jimmy and Kim know which PI Howard is gonna get? That's a good point. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think we'll get an answer to this yeah. later. Cause I I, I don't okay. know if I I don't know if I would like the fact that Jimmy and Kim that this PI is working for them. I think that's a little too easy. I think because um, we need something at stake that can yeah. fuck over Jimmy and Kim to make this intense. So, yeah. And that, but, time, that being their guy would kind of take that away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into more of like Jimmy, Kim, Jimmy and Kim's plan soon. But um, I just found that scene interesting where Howard finds out, oh, Jimmy's been taking out money. Like, where, where is this going? And like, I feel like him finding that out was on purpose. Like Jimmy and Kim wanted him to find that out. But we'll, we'll see how that, how that comes to fruition, I guess. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe they'll try to this is probably not, but maybe like Jimmy and Kim will like try to plan it on Howard somehow. It'll be related to like the strippers and the Coke somehow. That's yeah. probably not. Their plan would probably be way more elaborate and genius than that. But if they do do something along the lines of that, Howard will have proof. He'll be like, see, here's Jimmy with the money. But yeah. that's just, yeah. that's a very, that's too obvious. That's too like yeah. predictable. I'm really just ready for them to reveal it. I think, there is still a part of me. Don't get me wrong. I've been fanboying like crazy. There is a part of me that I'm that that's like, just tell us their plan. <laughs> like I get the <laughs> yeah. fact that I know people are a little fed up because it's like they're really, the dark. they're really drawing this out. And like, but I'm still loving the little nuggets they're giving us. Like they're still giving us little bits of information. And like we'll get into more stuff we found out later. Um, but yeah, I'm still loving this long drawn out con that Jimmy and Kim are playing. It's kind of like a lot of this show has been about these cons that Jimmy pulls and. And the, the longer the show's gone on, Kim has gotten involved. And I kind of enjoy the fact that in the last season, they're like, you know what? We're going to do a long con with Jimmy and Kim, and we're going to stretch it out as long as we can. And I kind of enjoy that they're, they're taking their time with it. But I still understand yeah. the urge of like, just get to their plan already. <laughs> like, it's a little bit of both, but I'm still loving it. 
from yeah i don't even think there's anything from a writing standpoint i don't think there's anything like fundamentally wrong with them stretching it out it's just the fact that there's the mid-season break coming up and that we're gonna there's a chance that we we're not gonna get well we're not getting more content so it's like fuck i want to see what's i want to see shit go down yeah Um, the weekly watching is definitely causing some of the stress for people where it's like just tell us but but i still love the weekly watching because purely from a storytelling standpoint there's nothing wrong with what they're doing there's nothing wrong at all until we get the payoff like if the payoff sucks, okay, people are right about this being too slow. But the payoff's going to be great. There's no way it's going to. It's going to be great. I have so much faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, not. I'm not. There's not even like a, 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 I don't even know a sliver of doubt. Yeah, there's not even a, a sliver of doubt. I same here. I'm on the same page. Um, okay, let's get to the vet scene. So um, this was a great scene. Um, first off, I want to repeat myself here. I've said this many times, but. This show does minor characters so well because we haven't seen the vet in like two. Awesome. We haven't seen him in like two seasons. He was the last time we saw him was early season four. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but this is just from the top of my head. Early season four when Nacho gets shot and remember he he has to yep, fix that is the last fix, time. Yeah, he has to fix Nacho and he's like this cartel shit is too hot for me. So we haven't seen him in like two seasons. It picks up right where it left off. He's a great character. He feels realistic like. I would literally watch a spinoff on this guy. Like I would watch a spinoff yeah. on like 90% of the minor characters. Like mm-hmm. they're all so realistic and so good. And I, I love the vet. I think he's great. Um, and I like how they flushed him out a little bit where he talked about how he loves animals. Like they're, they're even making him sympathetic and like, he's a good vet. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's not in it for the, the shady business. He's in it for his love for animals. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. It just, it adds a new layer to him. And then there's one little nugget that I'm not sure anyone caught. This was purely something I caught on my rewatch. And I'm not sure if this thought's been out there. This is totally my own thought, but um, I don't know if you noticed this, but when it said directed by Giancarlo Esposito, I mispronounced his name again, but who cares <laughs> when it said directed by Giancarlo, it was a shot of the vet from behind. And it reminded me of, some iconic gust shots like in salute remember how there's so many gust shots behind his head there's so mm-hmm. many shots of gust like behind his head so there's the big one in breaking bad when he goes through don Eladio's house and then there was a really good one this season in the episode ray seahorn directed when gus yep. walks through the tunnel and it's behind his head so i think that was intentional that they the the first episode directed by gus was a shot of the vet behind his head and it was like the vet got a version of a of the an signature. iconic the signature Gus shot. That's just yeah. something that I thought of. I don't know if that was intentional, but I think it might've been. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And that's kind of like, since we're not getting Gus, it's like, okay, at least here's a beh- behind the head shot since we're not yeah, getting Gus. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, and it said directed by Giancarlo. Right exactly. Those it, two that things. it was yeah. just awesome. Uh, just a really nerdy thought there, but I, I, that really yeah. made me happy. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> could be coincidence, but nothing's like, I think there's a good really chance that down, was intentional. Yeah, yeah, when you really break it down, nothing is unintentional when it comes to filmmaking. So you're probably yeah. right. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get more into the scene, though, because uh, he gives them the drugs. And then the, the biggest part of the scene is the black book, because I got to say, I, I feel dumb. I never thought of this the whole time. I never thought of how does Saul know all these people in Breaking Bad? And like, I never thought of the vet as the connecting tissue there. And like, I was I got I didn't get chills, but like I got very excited when I realized what they were doing here. It's like. This is a simple explanation for how Saul knows all the connections. As soon as he mentions this black book, I'm like, wait a minute. This is how Saul knows everybody. He's going to get the black book at some point. And then, of yeah. course, they they take it even further when they give you the vacuum Easter egg. Kim yep. says this vacuum guy. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I always just thought, like, he was good at networking and he was good at what he does. But the black book, 
Yeah, that mm-hmm. plays a huge part. Yeah, it plays a huge part, and it just makes you think. Yep, Jimmy's gonna get his hands on that somehow, or Kim might yeah. be the one who's like, "We need that black book." Like, it's just, and that's how he. There's all these lines in Breaking Bad where where Saul's like, "I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy," and it's 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 just a, such a simple explanation that works really well. Like, I, I I know some people might be like, "Oh, that's too easy." He just gets this book, but it makes perfect sense for the vet as a character that he would have this book, and then it makes sense that Jimmy would get his hands on it. Like, it, it totally works for me that like. That's how Jimmy gets his contacts and it kind of just fleshes out Saul and Breaking Bad. It's another little explanation for how he becomes Saul. And I thought it was perfectly executed. Yeah. Giving Jimmy that book is very dangerous. That's why he becomes Saul. Yeah. yeah <laughs> giving really Jimmy is. that book is like giving a chimp a machine gun. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> and he even says to Kim in that scene, he's like, the amount of income this guy gets from this book. So it's clearly like, like that's what we know. Saul of Saul and breaking bed. All he gives a shit about is money. And like, we're seeing that part of Jimmy come out where he's like, how could you say no to this income? Like the guy's going to walk away. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. You, he just saw dollar signs in his, mm-hmm. in his eyes when he, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see like the five, a Heisenberg uh, esque like rise to power that him and Jimmy are going to have that um, him and Ken are going to have. It's yeah. going to be fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I, I can't fucking wait. But I, I just thought that was a great Breaking Bad payoff explanation to, to see that the Black Book is there and he gets it off the yeah. bet. And then we can get into the drug stuff, though. Um, Like, what is that drug he was testing? I, I don't know what the drug is, but it's going to be used on Howard, right? That's my guess. Yeah, I think it's going to be used on Howard. And I thought, like, I couldn't tell him like, I'm like, okay, his face doesn't look any, cause he was looking in the mirror. I'm like, his face doesn't mm-hmm. look any different. But then I saw his pupils were really dilated. So I think they're going to give it to Howard. They're going to make him look. And they mentioned something about upping the heart rate. The vet did. So they're going right. to make Howard look really coked up at this meeting. I yeah. think yeah. his pupils are going to be dilated. His heart rate's going to be up. He's going to be like, yeah. Sw- I don't know if he'll be sweating or just some- he'll, he'll look like the effects. Um, he'll look like he did coke is what I'm saying. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's like, they're giving you what I love about this slow burn for their plan is like, they're giving you enough clues to make you think you know what their plan is. But I still think they have some sort of surprise coming. Like, I still think there's going to be a bit of a surprise, even though I think we know like 70% of it, maybe, maybe even 80. But th- that last 20% that we don't know is either going to be like a big twist, or it's going to be like something that goes wrong that we don't see coming. Yeah. Like giving him like a heart attack or some shit. Oh shit! <laughs> Even though that wouldn't be intentional, they were not trying to fucking give him. Up. But yeah. something could go wrong like that. But, but I agree. I agree with you. I don't they're think that'll make, happen. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. They're trying to make him look coked out, though. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then last thing on this vet scene, though, um, this blew my mind. So this isn't my own thought, but this is from the Insider Podcast. I keep going back to that because these are the creators of the show. But apparently, that black book that the vet has was shown in the intro to the season. Remember the intro to the season when they go through when Saul's ra- house? Yeah. They're, when they're raiding Saul's house, there's there's a shot where they show the black book in a box. So it pretty much confirms that Saul gets his hands on the black book. I thought that was yeah. so cool that they have literal Easter eggs in that first episode of things that happen later in the season. So it's like when you rewatch the beginning of season six, it's going to be like, oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. Yeah. It's, it's going to be the Leo DiCaprio pointing meme. Yeah. The Leo <laughs> meme. You're so right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah I, I really enjoyed the vet scene i thought it was fantastic i was i was getting really excited and that scene was pretty early on and i was like fuck yeah this is awesome okay um we can move on so so next scene we had was after the vet scene was um 
was the scene where Kim is arguing in court and then Cliff Maine comes to watch her. Um, and I thought this scene was pretty strong because we're kind of, this is such a great Kim episode and this is kind of the good side of Kim, right? We're seeing the good side of Kim where what she's actually striving for. She loves arguing for these clients, right? She like cares about these people that don't get good representation. She does a great job arguing in court. She cares about her clients. Um, she's just, she's very likable in this scene. It's like, this is why I love this character. Um, but mm. then it, but then it turns a little bit when Cliff talks to her because she talks about Howard and she says, oh, I, I'm grateful to Howard. And like, he's the reason I'm, I became an attorney and he's the reason I love my husband. And I'm trying to, I'm kind of struggling a little bit here because Kim is such a great character, but I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, is she being honest in that scene or is she playing, playing Cliff? And I think- She's it definitely could, playing Cliff. But I, I also think I she's think. kind of being honest. I think she kind of is because she knows- There's a hint head, of truth in there. She, she's a smart person. She does know in her head that Howard is how she first got involved in the law. Like Howard was her boss for all those years. And Howard is kind of the reason she met Jimmy. Like he probably hired her there. He probably vouched for her as a young attorney. Um, and But you're also right. She's still, she probably knows she can't talk shit to Cliff about Howard. So a little bit of it is part of their plan. But I, I really enjoyed that scene because it's like, it's it's Kim, it's the good side of Kim in court. But then it's also like, she's kind of just playing Cliff here. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm a bit conflicted, but that's yeah. what's so great about Kim, man. I'm always conflicted. I agree. I think a nuanced way to put it is she's playing Cliff by telling the truth. Yeah. Like yeah. she gen that's that's her genuine like she does appreciate Howard in some way, but at the same time, she's telling Howard this because I mean she's telling Cliff this because she doesn't want to give Cliff any indication whatsoever that she that, has any vendetta against yeah, Howard. Yeah, that, that she's going after Howard. Yeah, in case it, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, so, yeah, no, yeah. I thought that was yeah, that was that was just a really interesting scene to me. It just Kim was great in this episode, and I thought that was really interesting. And I, I got to say, um uh cliff maine has been pretty awesome this season because another character who's pretty minor like if you look up the total of episodes that cliff maine has been in it's probably not that high because he was very important in season two and then he's just not in the show at all he's in that really funny scene in season five when um when when jimmy sends the hookers remember in season five? Oh, yeah so cliff's in like, that was he in season five yeah. yeah 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 and then now in season six like he's coming back and he's he's crucial to this whole howard plot so I, i'm enjoying him i think the performance is great and yeah another minor character that i love yeah i love cliff yeah yeah just the actor yeah yeah he's great and then last thing um in this scene is there's a little um easter egg that i caught this one i caught on my own on my rewatch so i didn't read this or anything so the albuquerque isotopes like that that little like thing that kim shows the court i don't know if you remember it's like this little like um i don't know how you would describe it but it goes in your car i forget the name for the name oh for yeah 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 i know you're yeah saying, like the the car freshener or whatever yeah whatever it is it. so i don't know if you remember that exact thing is what gene sees in the future when the cab driver picks him up remember when the cab driver picks him up and he sees an oh, albuquerque no. thing so it just i don't know if they're connected but it's just a cool easter egg where it shows oh, okay. that people because they're in albuquerque right now so it just shows True. that Kim, people in I albuquerque was, like this team like whatever the sports team is and it's a cool little indication that they use the same exact item for like to show like people have these in their cars but the difference is in the gene timeline the guy's in Nebraska and he has this Albuquerque thing. So it's like, oh shit, he knows Saul. Um, so I just thought it was cool that they used it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking for some, one, the reason I said, oh no, is like, I was thinking Kim for some reason would be in possession of that. And that, that means that like that guy somehow got a hold of it. So he would be like related to like 
killing her or whatever. But yeah, no, yeah, no, I don't think so. I, I like I, crazy shit like that, but I, I don't think so. Wonder, yeah. dude, what if Howard gets seriously screwed over and then he hires a PI and that dude, the taxi driver, is the PI and he's like on to Jimmy. He finds Jimmy. Holy and, fuck! Like post Breaking Bad, Howard's yeah. been at it. Howard's been at it that long. He's Holy been seeking. Shit. That's completely plausible in my Bro, opinion. what if and Howard he, survives he, and he's just like getting pissed at Jimmy through all of Breaking Bad? That would be crazy. He, he just hires an absolute fucking. Because that yeah. dude is scary. That dude is yeah is, is serious. I, I still kind of think that cab driver could just be a random guy, but but I also like that he could be like some very dangerous person. Like it's cool how you I, don't know. Like yeah, even if he's not dangerous, I think he's not completely like innocuous either. He's not just some random fucking cab driver. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I I do think there's Can't still a chance. That, I, I do think there's still a chance he was just a random guy who recognized Saul because he's from Albuquerque and he's like I, and, he, yeah. and he's just a dick he's just like you need to admit your Saul like blah, blah. <laughs> like True. I, I, I don't know it's more about Saul being confronted rather than mm-hmm. the meaning of whoever this guy is but you're right yeah he could he could have a connection to someone we know or like he could have some some plan like you're right it's it's really this is what I love about the show it's hard to predict like I really mm-hmm. don't know it's it's very interesting it's um, one of the most unpredictable shows ever that's what it, makes it so great it, it really truly is. is like it really Even is. Know where we know where, the and it's a prequel. Know, it's a prequel. That's, that's what I'm saying. We know where it's going in the end game. Yet it's still entirely unpredictable. Yeah, for real. It's um, fucking awesome. It's just great. <laughs> Fanboy fan <laughs> I mean, with a lot with a lot of people shitting on the show at this point, I think it's good. I think it's a good like palate cleanser for any diehard fans out there to listen to this because we're just fanboying like crazy and like we're totally on a different page than the people that are like this season's kind of disappointing so it doesn't really matter i'm just loving every scene at this point i think maybe our rating system is just slightly different because we seem to be you probably do enjoy this even more you're the biggest better call saw fanboy i've ever met and i don't Mm -hmm. mean that in a bad way no i'll admit it i am a fanboy i even got into an argument a little bit not like a full-on argument but with cat because I know Kat, who works with me, she works at TIFF with me, and she's not like a diehard fan of Saul. And she said to me in person one time, um, you're not objective when it comes to Saul. And I'm like, you know what? You're kind of right. I can't, I can't I talk about anyone's objective when it comes I, to a show. Because like I mentioned earlier, yeah. I'll let you finish. Yeah, go but, ahead. But, but she can be objective when it comes to Saul, like, because she's not as attached to it. Like, she's like, oh, I think this was a weaker episode. And like, for me, I'm just like, it wasn't it was like it wasn't it wasn't a bad episode like it was fantastic so but it's also hard to measure art right subjectively like it comes down to your experience right there's no right or wrong so I was also arguing that and she's like you know what you're right like it's like she's not saying I'm wrong for being a fanboy but she's just saying like you're never gonna not like an episode whereas someone like me I can say I don't like this episode and it's like you know what you're kind of right there too so yeah that's fair yeah okay so we talked about Kim and Cliff Maine. That was some good stuff. So let's get into um, Francesca because Francesca got a lot of focus. I, I really enjoyed her in this episode. And um, there was, the first scene she was in was when she sees Kim. I thought that was a really wholesome scene. Like she was happy to see Kim and uh, they genuinely like each other. And it was cool how she introduced her decorating because <laughs> his office looks so different. And it's kind of funny mm-hmm. how, how Francesca just, this is her version of Saul's office. And we just think yeah. of the version in the future that's so different. It's kind of kind of enjoyable there. Yeah, the Francesca scenes were so good. They they're they're really reflective of how toxic working for Saul is because like when like when she greets Kim, she's so upbeat and happy. And then when we see her in breaking bad, she's always miserable and like yeah. pissed off all the time. Yeah. So like working for Saul has really taken a toll on her. Yeah. And I think they did an amazing job with Francesca in the scene where she calls HHM. 
and she's pissed about it. I literally think they don't have to explore Francesca for the rest of the season if they don't want to, because I think in that scene alone, they sell it to you on why she's miserable in Breaking Bad. Right there, it's the start of her being like, first of all, I'm used to like helping elders. (laughs) So like, it's such a change for her to be working with these scummy clients. Second of all, Second of all, Saul's a dick to her in that scene. He's like, yeah. he, he dismisses all of her like her issues. She's like, you're making this call. You're making this call. We're just going to yeah. do this. He's like mouthing the words to her. He's like, we're just going to do this. Like you could just see right there in that scene, how she gets pissed about the job yeah. she has. Like she gets fed up with this job. And like, I, I already buy how she becomes the Francesca from Breaking Bad where she's yeah. miserable. He just makes her like violate her conscience. Like she does mm-hmm. not want to do that's not Francesca. And it's so funny because like, do you know how she was like really nervous during that uh scene, that phone call scene? Yeah. But then I think it's funny. I think it's a reference to the breaking bad scene where we see her call Hank to tell oh. her Marie's in the hospital and she's complete she sells the fuck out of it. So You're she right. clearly gets really good at it between yeah. now. Between yeah. Better Call Saw and Breaking Bad. Yeah, I have a I have an interesting thought here where I was like thinking about Francesca already isn't enjoying Saul and she's like there's there's what one shot where um one of the scummy clients puts out a cigarette on her nice furniture and she like gets a little pissed like so it's like there's these little things where Francesca's just fed up with these clients and already um and I was thinking so why does she stay with him for all these years and like she's still with him in Breaking Bad and I was thinking to myself Francesca really enjoys Kim like she likes Kim she doesn't like Saul as much I was thinking maybe she feels bad for him when he loses Kim. That's what I was thinking. Maybe like Francesca's like, I, I really enjoyed Kim and I liked mm. Kim and I feel bad for Saul that he lost her. So I'm going to stick with him because I feel bad for her. I don't know if that reads completely bananas, but I just thought to Don't myself, you- maybe maybe she sticks with Saul for all those years because she feels so bad for him for losing Kim. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I can see that just, happening. I'm kind of just crap shooting there and maybe there's someone who could poke a hole in that theory, but I just kind of thought of that. Because I feel like with Kim out of the picture, she would resent Saul even more because she feels like he's somehow responsible. Yeah. That's maybe, the only she, reason I, maybe she's the kind of person who would blame him. Yeah. So maybe you're right, but so I, I don't know. The, I, yeah. I, I but, Yeah. Um, there's, there's some reason she sticks with him and maybe it's just the money. Maybe you're right. It's maybe money. it's just, yeah. Maybe he just pays her so well and then she's just miserable, but she's making money. Yeah. Didn't we see a scene in this episode where she like, she asks for more money from him or something like that. Um, or was that la- a couple weeks ago? I don't know. That was that was that was a couple weeks ago. I think that was the scene where she's like, "I get a hand in the decorating," and then she says, "You have to." Well, he already offers to double her salary. I don't know if she asks him for more money. Oh, there's a scene in Breaking money Bad. Would, that's what I'm she, saying. She asks Walt for more money. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That's what the connection I was trying to make. So, like, yeah. she'll clearly do bad things at the expense. Yeah. Or like as a result Saul, of Saul just money. kind of rubs off on her, I guess, to get over money. the years. Yeah. Like Saul rubs off on her, but she's still miserable, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. Breaking Bad. Yeah. But it was just great. She's worth we're seeing the early stages of how that comes. And I thought they sold it so well in this episode where you get so much depth with Francesca. And it's like she is a good person at this point. She likes Kim. She likes decorating. She's happy. And then Saul has her do these shady things and she has some doubts. And it's like you can just see how over the years it probably just takes such a toll on her. She's like, fuck these clients and why am i helping this scumbag and but, but the I'm money's still, worth it but the money's worth it i guess yeah yeah yep. i think that's what they were hammering home with those scenes yeah yeah, yeah. um 100%. and then another thing i gotta bring I love, up that dude i, I love i'm Go just gonna fanboy real quick all those like 
seemingly like insignificant details it's all reflective of character it's so yeah, good it really is even the minor ones like francesca yeah yep. yeah they kill it um and then another some more speaking of minor characters the college film crew was back i love seeing them and they, i swear to god they each was had that the like, first time this season yeah first time this okay season. yeah and yeah. and i swear to god they each had like one line like they were barely in it they each had like one line and i still loved it i was like yes they're back they give yeah. them one line and i'm like i love these two like they're just the best yeah they're always fucking great that's the one thing i wish jimmy would pull off more antics with them the fact that he still uses them even though he's rich because because in the in the beginning of the show the reason he hires them is because he he has no money so he's like oh i need students but like at this point he has, good. he has enough money to hire a better crew but he just likes them he's like he can trust them he knows they'll get the job done he's worked with them all these years he's like fuck it i'll just keep using them <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 for sure um, but yeah, I love the um, the guy, like the guy who's always fed up with his shit. <laughs> There's that one shot where he's like, like the yeah, yeah, he's like playing with his camera a little bit, and he's like, he's arguing with him, and it's just like that's classic college film crew stuff. I, I love it. Mm -hmm. I'll eat that shit up all day. <laughs> I love the scene in season five where he's like, dude, we can't, we yeah. can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here again, he's like, we can just like blur it or something. He's like, no, we can't blur it. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. They just argue over the dumbest shit, and it's just great. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, because. <laughs> Saul wants one thing one way and he's just being stubborn and just yeah it's always yeah. good yeah it's just great um okay um one small moment I want to talk about briefly there was a really nice Jimmy and Kim moment and this is what I was thinking about when I was talking about Gus directing this scene it's like it's a very intimate scene that like Giancarlo directing just kind of takes me out of it in a way where I'm just like kind of laughing that he's the one behind the camera but it was when Jimmy's really happy for her she tells him about like the 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 thing that Cliff Maine's inviting her to and then she yep. says it's on D-Day. And this is the first time we get like the, the line D-Day. Like they're calling, they're calling it D-Day. And that's what makes me really yeah. think there's going to be some big shit that happens. Like they're using the word D-Day for their plan. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. But, I, but I really like the scene, how Jimmy's genuinely happy for her. And when you think about how Kim's the one in the driver's seat this whole season, she's the one who came up with the plan for Howard. She's been doing all this stuff. Um, it makes you really realize how much Jimmy loves her. Like he's just doing this for her. Like he loves conning people but he just loves doing shit with Kim and like, he's just so mm -hmm. happy for her. And like, it was just a really wholesome scene where I'm like, damn, I'm going to be sad when the inevitable happens and he loses her. Like he's got to lose her. I really think so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, oh yeah. Did you catch this? So there was a really cool cut. So I, I didn't catch this on first watch, but on my second watch, um, that really wholesome Jimmy and Kim moment where they kiss at the end, I was talking about um, the way it cuts to the next scene is, is uh the german guy with an axe so he if you watch that again it like edits where it's like jimmy and kim are kissing and then an axe comes and it chops them up and it's like i feel oh, like that's foreshadowing yeah. like there's gonna be a big split coming and it just yeah. has me very worried someone's going to fucking jail yeah jail is gonna, be Tim. <laughs> yeah, gonna jail, be Tim. yeah jail is a good pick man we'll get to predictions at the end but yeah it's just not looking good and believe it can't believe kim is going to jail man anyways fuck. <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be so sad it's gonna be fucking sad it just um, really hit me yeah i don't know if it's jail man we'll, we'll get into predictions later. it's, not, it's but, gonna be something we'll though. see we'll it's, see but yeah that fuck. scene with the axe the way it's edited they're really implying there's a big split coming and it makes sense right we've seen Saul. um but yeah let's get into the lalo scene so first thing on the lalo scene is i was wrong i was very confident we were gonna see kai remember i was like Kai's the only one with a name who we remember from the German crew, but it wasn't Kai that he went after. It was another guy. 
I don't even know his name because I'm I've told you I've stayed off Reddit, I've stayed off everything. All I know I, is it's it's the guy who says in season five, he says to Mike, he was worth 50 of you. Yeah. So he, he clearly liked Werner more um uh-huh. than, than Kai did. And I like the balls on the Better Call Saul writers because they write the show in a way where they they only care about the diehard fans. Because the casual fans, 90% of the casual fans are not gonna know who the fuck that guy is. They're gonna be like, who is that guy? Like he was literally yeah. in like two scenes. And I like that the Better Call Saul writers are like, this is for the diehards. You, you will remember yeah, if this you guy. Know, you know. If you yeah. know, you know. And I remember this guy was the guy who said Werner was worth 50 of you, even Same. though I still don't know his name. Immediately. It, it, was, it was cool that they didn't even use Kai. They're like, fuck it. We don't need to use the, the guy who most people would remember. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how they, they chose the guy that liked Werner a lot. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, Werner, the correct German pronunciation. But... Yeah, because you could see his reaction when he's he said that when Lalo told him that he visited Werner's wife, the dude got really pissed. Like he mm-hmm. clearly, t- like the dude clearly took that personal. Like he clearly cares for Werner's family a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then yeah, we can get into the scene. I thought it was really suspenseful, uh, very intense. On my first like, watch, oh shit, Lalo's gonna. I'm like, fuck, yeah. they're throwing us a curveball. They're yeah. gonna kill Lalo. Yeah, you're in the same spot. Because my first watch, I was like, "Did Lalo just die?" Like, I didn't but realize he, what happened there. And then as he did, him like, with the back part of the axe. Yes, exactly. Okay. I, I right. realized that like 30 seconds after Lalo already got hit. So for like a good 30 seconds, I was like, "Did they just kill Lalo?" I was like, "What?" At <laughs> See, first, I, at first I respected it. At first, I was like, "I respect how same. unpredictable I was that like, is." I'm not okay. Yeah. But then the next 10 seconds, I was like, wait a minute. That's so underwhelming. Like, there's so much more they can do with Lalo. What are they doing here? And like, and then I realized, wait a minute, he's just injured. And then obviously <laughs> Lalo just goes after him. And, and I got to say, on my first watch, I didn't really see what he did. It was kind of hard to see what he did. But on my rewatch, I loved the scene because there's a really cool shot. This was like one of Giancarlo's best directing moments, in my opinion. There was a really cool shot where it pulls back to behind this card that Lalo's holding. And he has this razor behind the card. And the way it pans to the razor was really effective. It was like a really cool movement. And then he pulls out the razor, slashes his face, and then obviously takes the axe and chops his foot off. And on on rewatch, I liked the scene even more. Because on first watch, I was a little confused. I was like, what happened there exactly? Cut his face with the card? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was like, what exactly was that? And I was also like, holy shit, they just killed Lalo. They can't do that. But um, then I realized, yeah, you're right. It was he, he didn't use the sharp part of the axe which makes sense. I saw some people criticizing that being like, why wouldn't he just use the sharp part? But it makes sense. This guy's a German engineer. A lot of people don't have it in them to murder someone. <laughs> like he doesn't yeah. want to murder someone. He just wants to like protect himself and he doesn't realize how savage Lalo is. Yeah. Like he knows like, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Maybe. Yeah. He's not someone that's cap- We're just assuming that just because he's in shady business, he would be someone that's capable of killing someone, but no, just because. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, he, and maybe he didn't want to like. Maybe he wanted to find out more information. Maybe he didn't. Yeah, he didn't even like, know who was after him. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. Good yeah. Point. He's so like, how are you just gonna? He wants to know if gonna, more people are coming. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. How is he just gonna murder someone based on just seeing someone with a gun? Like he, he's not an experienced cartel member like Lalo. He's just an engineer who's scared, and he just wants yeah. to knock out the guy and see what's going on. So I made sense that he wouldn't just. Like, people are like, why wouldn't you just kill him? That's too easy. But it's like. <laughs> Dude, Lalo is obviously better at this shit. It, it made perfect sense to me. I thought it was a well-executed scene, a lot of suspense. I was like, oh shit, what's going to happen here? Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot of people criticizing this scene and I completely disagree with them. I thought it was pretty great. Yeah. One, one thing I will critique is like, dude, that guy, like from, I think um, 
Lalo's decision making, I guess, could be um, not realistic because the dude went into the shed in Lalo's head. Could, Lalo should be thinking, what if this guy's just posted up with a shotgun in there waiting for me to come to the door? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. I mean, but also but, but Lalo's but Lalo a psychopath. Needs, yeah, Lalo and needs his information and he doesn't give a fuck and he's very arrogant. So I feel like he doesn't think of himself as someone who will get out smarted exactly. by, by some random engineer psychopaths so. are reckless yeah so like he that's he doesn't care yeah yeah but in general i enjoyed the lawless scene i thought it was a good good pace if i did have to add some sort of criticism um i would say it was just this scene was so different than the rest of the episode that it was kind of jarring like it was just a little bit weird like how it's it, like all this jimmy kim con stuff and then here's a that's five the minute five minute violent right. scene with Lalo and then back to Jimmy and Kip. Like it did feel a little disjointed slightly, but I feel like they needed the scene because they got to progress Lalo a little bit. Um, so like the scene on its own, I really enjoyed, but I would say it, it did feel a little bit out of place if I had to offer a criticism. Which is the main reason I gave this episode an eight. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, fair. oh fuck, this ruined the whole thing. But like when you look at it as a whole, yeah. That's fair, yeah. Okay, so that's that's a good, good amount of stuff on the Lalo scene. I really enjoyed that. Um, we did talk about the Francesca stuff, but I do want to mention how um, that phone call scene, which we talked about briefly, where she calls HHM because of because of Saul. Um, I feel like kind of what I talked about earlier last week a little bit, how we've seen a lot of Saul in this season. Like he's already almost like the Saul in Breaking Bad. And I feel like in this episode specifically, it was all Saul Goodman. The only time you see Jimmy in this episode is when he's with Kim. Kim. The only time he's with he's, he's, he's Jimmy is with Kim. So there's like a couple scenes where it's just Jimmy and Kim. Any scene in this episode where Jimmy is not with Kim, he's pretty much Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad. Look at the mannerisms on this guy when he's forcing Francesca to make this call. He's like melding the words. He's like being all goofy. He's very aggressive and loud and obnoxious. Like, and even when he's directing the college film crew, like every scene in this episode where it's just Saul, like not with Kim, He's, he's Saul Goodman. Like, we're seeing mm-hmm. Saul Goodman. I don't understand these people saying, how is he going to become Saul? Like, he's literally Saul at this point, guys. Like, he's Saul. Yeah. Well, yeah, except Saul, Saul was, like, slightly more, I guess you could say um, vulgar. Or, like, he, like, a lot yeah. more, like, sexual. Yeah, I'm exaggerating. Like, he's not 100 He was a little grosser. He was yeah. a little grosser. But, like, he's definitely on track. Like, mm-hmm. He's on track to that, getting there. Yeah. That, that his Saul persona right now is only going to manifest and become worse. So like yep, it's yep. clearly already there. It's already yeah, there. Like it's already saying. there. But basically, what I'm saying is Kim is the one who's keeping Jimmy alive. Right. And this Correct. is why he's gonna become. This is why he's gonna go full Saul Goodman. Is he's gonna lose Kim? I'm sorry. Like he has to lose Kim. Like that's what's good. That's what's gonna cause him, in my opinion, to go full Saul Goodman. That's what I think. Yeah, that's a great point. That's what's gonna make him go full Saul. That's the only yep. thing preventing him yep. from doing it. Yep. But um, then again, in the Gene storyline, he'll find her. He'll find her. I hope so. And I think they're setting that up. I think I do. He, there's no doubt. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. I yeah. am so sure of it. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna look uh, back on this moment in June or fucking July, whenever that the finale airs. And we're August. Gonna, we're gonna, I think yeah. it's August. Yeah. August. Yeah. yeah, that August. Yeah, June. Finale, what the fuck man. am I talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. I wish. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting towards the end a little bit. Just a couple more scenes to go through. So there was the mic scene. So yeah. Um. One thing I liked about this mic scene was. There's a little bit of beef between Mike and Tyrus. <laughs> like Tyrus is like, like he doesn't like the way Gus trusts Mike. So there's always like a little bit of like a rivalry between them. Um, and then Mike's scene at Mike's scene, sorry, Mike's line at the end of that scene was awesome. When he's like, 
the boss has a problem he knows how to reach me if you have a problem i'm right here yep. i was watching that scene i'm just like i love mike like ah, oh, what a, what a the look on tyrus's face he's yeah. like pissed but he's like yeah i'm not fucking with this dude <laughs> yeah exactly um it's and like, then there was there was a nacho reference did you catch the nacho reference he said that tyrus said that um a bunch of mike's guys are watching uh nacho's dad they're watching nacho's dad like they're protecting him they're keeping an eye on oh, nacho's dad i thought they were talking about um i thought they were talking about mike's um daughter-in-law that that was later but i'm just saying there was a oh quick before line. that you're saying yeah before that tyrus goes through all the security they have going and there's a quick mention where he says Varga's father. He says Varga's father and upholstery shop or something like that. So he's going through all yeah, the security Mike's that. using. Yeah, so I just wanted to mention that. It's cool that they got a little bit of Nacho in there because it does feel so disjointed. Like the fact that Nacho died all those episodes ago and no one's mentioned him. So I like that they threw in one line where it's like, Mike that's has- That's all you need to. That's all you need. Mike has people watching Nacho's dad in case Hector goes for him, right? So, because there's still a chance he could, but I think they're kind of done with that, but it's just good that they give you that little bit of like they're watching him just in case acknowledging in case. his existence is exactly. enough exactly yeah. um and then yeah we can get onto the stuff with his granddaughter um i think you could if you really wanted to be nitpicky you could probably argue that this is the weakest scene from a plot perspective because it's like this isn't anything we've not seen this isn't new material but my defense of this scene is that there's still great writing great acting um, and it makes you feel something like we haven't we haven't seen a scene with Mike's granddaughter in a long time. It's not like they're hitting us over over Early the head season five. with all the Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been like a full season, like probably 10 episodes since we've seen Mike's granddaughter and Mike's daughter in law. So like, I don't mind the fact that they're giving you a scene where you feel something. I care more about feeling emotions than I do about things better be happening. Like, so like Jonathan Banks is a fucking great actor. He there's great writing. I felt emotional during the scene. It hit me hard. I didn't tear up, but I was like, yeah. this, is, this is working. Like I felt Jonathan Banks really sells that scene. And like, you, you haven't seen them in a long time. And if you were to argue a plot defense, it at least explains how, how much this Lalo shit is taking a toll on Mike. Yeah. Too. Like he can't even say that he can't even visit his family at this point. So like, I know some people have been critical about the scene. It's like, why are we wasting time seeing stuff we've already seen? But it's like, I, I enjoyed the scene. I thought it was very, emotional and well executed well acted and yeah it was it was enjoyable for me i enjoyed it yeah that's exactly i completely agree that's exactly why it works because it has to do with the lala situation and it yep. shows the consequences and mm -hmm. it shows how it's taking a toll on like like he yep. has to and it's really sad because he has to keep his family at an arm's length away in order to like love them and support them and mm -hmm. he can't be with them so yeah yeah, it's taking a toll, man. This, this Lalo shit is brutal. And I got to say, um, I have a feeling, this is just a prediction I'm throwing out there, um, just based on my rewatch, it felt very conclusive, this scene, like the way it ended. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think that's the last time we're going to see his granddaughter or his daughter-in-law. I think that might be the last time we see them. Because that felt very like- Very sad, but very it, good it felt, it felt like It felt like a final goodbye to me where it's like, this is, this is it for like Mike's, because they don't have time, man. They only got seven episodes left um not to be like a dick but i don't think his daughter-in-law is the most interesting character and i don't think they really have time to like harp to go back to that and i like that they gave you like one final scene where it's like this is why we love mike is he cares so much about his family and i thought it was well executed yeah and at the very least we'll get one more at the very yeah, very i least. could be wrong i could be wrong yeah yep. yeah but i'm but just it guessing. does feel conclusive in that sense yeah and then i gotta say the last shot was fucking gorgeous i don't know if you remember the last shot of this scene this is 
from a rewatch. This is part of why I'm being so nerdy on this episode is I saw it twice. But um, the last shot of that scene, the lighting is fucking gorgeous. It's just a shot from behind and Mike's standing by the window. And the way the the sky, the sky, the lighting, it's just a beautiful last shot for that scene. Like the still, it was just gorgeous. I love that last shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's get on to towards the very end. So um, this is the scene I was talking about where it felt like the end of the show is coming. It was the Kim and Jimmy uh, Omaha beach scene. So they go and they have a picnic with wine. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. Same. Yep. So you guessed it. We're returning to the old stomping grounds where everything yeah yeah it's like it had a very like very much like a bookend type of feeling where it's like they're having a picnic they're drinking wine they're looking at hhm it's like it's like so much shit has happened there so much shit has happened at hhm like it's like we're going for howard kim and jimmy are like drinking wine and having a good time together and it just made me feel like the end of the show is coming it was probably the most emotional scene in the episode for me like i didn't tear up but I, I was just hit with a wave of emotion watching them drink that wine and like cheers each other. And like, it's like the end of the show's coming, man. I'm going to miss these characters. And yeah, it was just a great conclusive scene. And yeah. What are they going to fucking do to Howard? Oh shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jesus. yeah. You, Cause you know, shit's about to go down in that shit fucking is about courtroom. To, yeah. They're right in HHM's office. What am I, what am I saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the courtroom. The court. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Like a, a boardroom. It's like a the boardroom. legal office. Whatever the legal. The call it. We've, we've seen so many Business scenes in that, in that HHM meeting room. We've seen so many scenes there. Whatever that is, that's where it's going down. Yeah. That's Omaha Beach, baby. Yeah. Fuck. Omaha Beach. They're watching it. The doom is coming. And yeah. He's oh. about to be fucking Tom Hanks out there. Yeah. Some <laughs> saving Private Ryan. Shit. Yeah. They're going to be on Omaha Beach. Yeah. Um, shit. Yeah, that that although one thing about that scene where, where they're drinking wine is um I was thinking to myself, shouldn't Howard's PI see this? <laughs> like I was just thinking randomly, like what if Howard's PI is watching them? Like wouldn't he So Jimmy and Kim do yeah. not know. They yeah. don't know. Because oh, they I... clearly would not do that. I was gonna say, like, so maybe they, that's maybe, the biggest evidence. Maybe the maybe the know. PI, maybe the PI is hired by Jimmy and Kim. Because if the oh, PI duh. Yeah, if because the they PI is hired by jimmy and kim then they can just do what they want at night they can just go chill and do whatever but i was thinking if this is howard's pi he should probably tell howard yeah jimmy and kim drank wine at hhm <laughs> like clearly there's something going on there yeah i don't know i don't know if i'm a little buzzed right now so that's why like completely yeah. Fuck yeah. but yeah that's a that's a question mark man we don't know about howard's pi i'm curious i think it could go either way like it could be a, a plant like a little jimmy and kim have planned that out or like it could be actually he's on howard's side and he might have seen that like i don't know it's it's very much up in the air yeah if um it's legit howard's pi yeah jimmy and kim are fucked because it's like how are you gonna explain that <laughs> yeah. yeah why are you exactly that's uh, gonna be great it's gonna be great yeah um okay let's get to the ending stuff so first of all jimmy goes to buy uh zephyro and yeho you know what i was thinking they should fucking sell that tequila in real life. I would buy that shit in a second. Yeah. Like Zephyro and Hejo, Anejo should be a real tequila. Like you I, know how I many Breaking love... Bad fans would yeah. Dude, that would be such a hit. Everyone would buy that shit. Dude, like drink fucking what Gus uses to poison the cartel or what Jimmy and Kim drink all the time. Like hell yeah. Yeah. Also, I like tequila, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably be I'm a not good the quality. biggest tequila fan, but I would, would 100 percent drink that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um and we'd and have then... to do a better call saw um 
deep dive and drink that but obviously yeah. that's never going to happen unfortunately <laughs> yeah. i hope they make <laughs> it but... yeah, yeah. Um, they wouldn't make it in time for yeah, yeah. maybe anyway. they'll maybe that'll that'll happen when the show ends it's like the end of the universe here's zafiro and Yeho. we're selling it <laughs> yeah i would buy that shit so fast oh fuck okay anyways Same. um okay let's get to the last scene or, or the second last scene was when jimmy goes to buy the alcohol and he sees the the i guess it's a judge or is it a mediator it's something like that he sees the I think guy it's with, a judge isn't it yeah something like that it might be a mediator because i think they said he's a retired judge oh so, okay yeah former judge yeah yeah but um but he has a he has a broken arm and jimmy starts panicking um and then he calls kim this is the big ending we were getting to um and yeah i gotta say when kim makes that decision actually before kim makes the decision and she's on the phone I started yelling, no. I was like, no, don't do it, Kim. Don't do it, Kim. And that was like a good 30 seconds before she decides. I was like, don't do it, Kim. Don't do it. And then I kind of just realized she was going to do it. And then she goes, this happens today. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> but then there's a part of me that's like, yes, next episode's yeah. going to be a banger. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of both. Yeah. It's a bit of fuck. Why are you doing this? And also, I can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, hands down, Kim. Best best cliffhanger of the season, hands down. Oh, like, no yeah. doubt. Like I was so upset that Red I had to wait a week. So like, upset holy. I had to wait a week. I was like, "Fuck, I need to see this right away." Ugh, I have to wait. And the fact Damn that it. there was no music, like that's just it always makes it more intense. Yeah, because yeah. I think there was like there was some music, no, there, but not a lot. Yeah, there was some. There was some music playing during the phone call scene, but then when she's like, "This happens today," the music stops right. and she just peels off. I think you might be right. Yeah, maybe right at the end they took out the music. Yeah, that's a good touch. Yeah. Yeah. No music always makes a more dramatic effect, in my opinion. So, like, yeah. this is completely random. This is going completely off topic. During the Nacho uh, shootout scene with the twins in episode two, yeah. Um, the music really took me out of that. I forgot to mention that really? in episode two. Yeah, I was like, fuck. It was too I, dramatic. It was too dramatic. I, yeah, I was envisioning yeah. it from like um, an editor's or whatever the fuck you want to call it um, perspective and i'm like they really shouldn't have fucking added music here they would make it way more intense it would make you yeah. feel like nacho could possibly die but it felt more of like a cheap action as a yeah. result of the music yeah um, in terms so of I was like this kind of feels weird yeah in terms of music stuff i listened to the insider podcast today actually um and they were saying vince gilligan said towards the end how they don't use that much music in this show because they think any scene that you write in any show has to work without music you can't write a scene that's reliant on the music. You have to you have to write a scene that stands on its own. And he's right about that. Like every scene you write has to stand on its own and the music just adds to it. You know what I mean? So like, I think you're right about that. Maybe in that scene, it didn't quite work where it was too distracting or something. But that's something about the Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul universe in general is they don't use music quite as often because the writing and the drama stands on its own. You don't always need music to tell you how to feel. And you can, Vince Gilligan explains that really well on the recent Insider podcast where he's like, you don't need music to tell you how to feel. The drama has to stand on its own. The writing has to stand on its own. And then you can focus on music after that to be like, okay, how can we enhance the scene? But it needs to really be an additional layer. It can't be, you can't rely on it to tell the story of the scene. Yeah. Vince, yeah, that's 100% right. But it's funny that he mentions that because this is incredibly nitpicky, but I feel like this scene, um, this season specifically, there's been a few scenes of like, not even the natural shootout scene. I'm like, they don't really need music in this scene. I can't re recall specific I th I instances. It, I thought it really worked in this last scene with Kim on the phone when she's calling Jimmy. Like I thought no, it was, made it really intense. Scene. Yeah. 100%. I, I, I can't recall a specific instance, like I said, but there was, I, I do remember thinking 
during a few random scenes i'm like yeah mm-hmm. they could probably i think this would work better without music yeah um, but in general um, you got to admit, that's only a couple scenes you got to admit in scenes. general though like this whole universe breaking bad and better call Saul, they use music a lot less than most shows do 100 yeah yeah so like there's very few shows that use like, that obviously the wire uses, yeah like, the wire is a good example <laughs> Yeah, The Wire is a good example. They barely use music. Yeah, yeah. Like Mad Men and The Sopranos are like other two. Like they have yeah. some good needle drops. But, but, like, but these are all like top tier amazing shows. Like That's Vince what I'm Gil- saying. Vince Gilligan That's, would say his argument applies to those shows. Yeah, it applies to those yeah. shows. Yeah. Mentioning Sopranos and Mad Men is me complimenting Saw. It's like, yeah, it's in it the with its, those shows. Yeah, yeah. It's in the same league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So anything else you. Oh, yeah. I got to add this. The symbolism is so on the nose, but it works so well. Where it's like Kim is driving down Bad Choice Road. Did you think of that? Mm, like she makes a U, she makes a U turn down Bad Choice Road. That was a bad choice, and it's literally a road she's Fuck. driving down. How sick is that? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, oh, that, shit. That, it's that definitely really hit intentional me hard. too. That hit me hard on my rewatch. I was like, she's driving down Bad Choice Road. Like, no. Holy shit! Yeah. Can we try to warn her too in episode yeah. nine? Yeah. But well, he's like, this is a bad choice road. It all yeah. started with quitting fucking Sandpiper. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Schweiker and Coakley. Fuck. Yeah. What am I saying? Um, yeah, dude. Fuck. And that's but, um, where it all started. And then it led to this. One thing yeah. led to another. Yep. And then the the this ending scene, though, reminds me of so many moments. There's the stuff in season three when Kim crashes her car, right? And in that scene, when she crashes, she's like rehearsing what she's going to say. And in this scene, it was the same thing. She was rehearsing, and it was the same shot from the oh. side. And then also, another parallel, in season four, there's a scene where Kim um, calls Jimmy, and she says, I have a better way, and she turns her car around. Remember when she comes up with the plan for Huel? And then in this episode, similar thing, where she's like, uh, she gets a call from Jimmy, and Jimmy's like, we shouldn't do it. We should put the brakes. And she's like, no, we're doing it today. And she fucking does a U-turn. So, like, Kim and, Kim and uh. Cars so many good moments with kim in a car and this is one of the best ones where i'm like dreading what's gonna happen dude <laughs> imagine if just kim, kim just died in a car accident i obviously know that's not what they're doing no. that'd be completely <laughs> underwhelming but yeah that'd be yeah. like uh, a realistic thing to happen like yeah. she took a bad choice road and it led to fucking something bad happening if she had just gone to fucking the fucking fundraisers or shit she would have been fine yeah or whatever yeah. you want to call it yeah yeah it's just such good stuff um okay I think... whatever you want to call it yeah yeah, I mean, that cliffhanger is just so good. I'm just dying for the next episode. And yeah, I, think and I was just left with chills. Yeah, so many chills. Um, I think we can just get into some ending stuff. So I, in terms of predictions, I want to play a little bit of a game. What happens to Kim game? <laughs> so I feel like there's four very obvious choices. And then I feel like there's still a chance the writers surprise us. But for the what happens to Kim game, I think the big four choices are she goes to jail. She uses the vacuum guy. She gets killed. Or she's behind the scenes in Breaking Bad and she never breaks up with Jim. But I, I would say my fifth choice, which is possible, is she gets disbarred. I think there's a chance she gets disbarred and she loses her law license and she decides to break up with Jimmy on her own. Hmm. Those, those are my... Explain, explain, explain that one to me. Explain that? I think whatever they like do... Like the reasoning. With, the reasoning for me is I think that whatever they do to Howard, we know that Saul's not going to get caught. Saul has a law license through all of Breaking Bad. So I think whatever they do to Howard or they do something, I think there's a chance that Kim could get caught and Saul won't get caught. And if Kim gets caught, maybe she doesn't go to jail, but instead she gets disbarred and she loses her law license. And I think if she loses her law license, she would be devastated because she loves being a lawyer. 
And I think she would realize it's her own fault, but she would also realize that part of it was because she's with Jimmy and she'd be like, you know what, for the greater good, I, Jimmy is not good for me. And she would break up with him. So that's just, that's one I came up with on my own. I think that's the least likely. I think the one everyone's debating is jail vacuum guy. She dies or she's behind the scenes in breaking bed. So, and I feel like my percentage meter, if I have to, if I had to put those in order, I'd say most likely, I think is she goes to jail. I think that's the most likely at this point. She goes to jail. Um, and then I would say maybe vacuum guys, number two, those are my, those are my top two. Dude. I think vacuum guys, number one, because dude. Yeah. And I think it works out so perfectly because she goes to Nebraska. Right. And then in better calls and then in breaking bad. So I was like, what's in Nebraska? Like the dude says, you're going to Nebraska and they just meet up by chance. I think it's by chance. And I think that's like the breaking bad, better call Saul universe. uh, It always seems like there's a higher being like pulling the strings. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Walt talks about this a few times. He's like the chance that he ends up with Jane's dad in the bar that one night. There's a lot of coincidences. Yeah. This breaking bad universe. It always feels like, and that's life. It always feels like there's something under the mm-hmm. surface or above tugging the strings. And I think that's what's going to make. And I've, I mentioned it with the, my prediction based on the cold open mm-hmm. that um, the Zephyr, whatever the fuck you want to call it. The, the tequila, tequila, tequila stopper. Yeah. It's, it's, it signifies that they are going to come across each other again. They're going to reunite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the law of attraction, I but, guess you could but say. But my, my thinking also is my, my first pick. So I like that we disagree here. It's, it's more fun. Like your first pick is vacuum guy. But my, yeah. first pick, my first pick of her being in jail, they could still reunite in the gene timeline because maybe she gets out of jail by the end of Breaking Bad. Maybe she gets released. Yeah. yeah. Either so, way. I, so I was thinking maybe just for Breaking Bad, she's behind bars. But then eventually when he has to go on the run, he contacts her because she, she gets let go at some point. But, um, yeah, but, but sure. I think we're on the same page. We, we, I really think... Both theories support that they meet in Nebraska. Yeah, I think having Kim and Jimmy meet up in Nebraska in the black and white timeline, the the the, the beautiful like potential of that moment is too high. I don't think the writers can pass that up. I know it's predictable, like, but I don't think they would just not do it because it's too predictable. I think it just works so well thematically and it would hit yeah. me so hard. Like, I don't care. Like, don't just surprise us just to surprise us. Tell the story that makes sense. I think it would be fucking awesome if we saw that happen and I would be an emotional mess if that happens. And it's it going hit. to be one of the most beautiful and like tender moments in television yeah. history. But it's just, we, it's, it's fucking adorable. Like, dude, yeah. they like, they meet yeah. in Nebraska. Like, dude, that's, uh, that's going to fuck just, me up. You just think of their whole past together. And it's like, they, yeah. hadn't, they hadn't seen you just each think other of switch during all of breaking bad. They never saw each other. And then they reunite after all the great moments in better call Saul. Oh, beautiful storytelling, but we can't get too worked up. Cause maybe that doesn't happen. The writers are still very unpredictable and smart. Maybe they have something else up their sleeve, but I, I still think there's a very, very good chance that happens. I think that's still the most likely option. God damn. That's got to really fucking ruin me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just thinking about that. I'm like, damn. In the best way possible, though. It's yeah. going to be yeah. great. I hope that's what happens. I they deserve so it, man. They deserve they des- it. They deserve at least that ending. <laughs> I don't I think... care what they've done. They deserve it. <laughs> yeah, they do. They're not great people, but I love They're them. victims of their circumstances, dude. Like Chuck fucked over Jimmy. Yep. Kim's mom fucked over her. Yep. They yep. deserve it, man. They, they deserve, deserve it. to be happy. Yeah. Um, that's another thing I've seen. A lot of people don't like Kim and Jimmy anymore. Like they're all pissed at them, at them for going after Howard. And I understand that in this season, they're not as likable, but 
I don't give a shit. I still love them both. I think they're fucking so likable. <laughs> like maybe what they're doing is wrong, but I still care about them so much. Like I get that. Part of me really wants them to get caught, mm-hmm. but I do want them to get, okay. <laughs> Not going to lie. It'd be satisfying to see them it backfire on them because they're selling over their heads. I want to mm-hmm. see it backfire on them, but I also want to see them be okay in the end. Yeah, both I things think, can be true. I think there's a very good chance there's a devastating moment where they break up and Kim has to leave him, or Kim has to go on the run, or Kim loses her law license, or she goes to jail. There, that'll be the climax of like this is devastating. But then I think you're right. We'll get a nice little hopeful. They reunite hopefully, and then it'll tie together, yeah. and it, it won't be in the end. It'll be more hopeful. But yeah, that, that's exactly yeah. what I want, and that's what I think will yeah. happen. Yeah. So. I'm just ready for them to surprise me too, though. So like, oh, I like even predicting things is even though it's so fun. I also like, I, I don't need to be right. Like, I just know they're going to tell us a good story here. Um, uh-huh. And then, okay, let's, I have, a, I have one small prediction to, to wrap up with. I think there's a good chance that um, we wrap up the Howard con arc, like this whole arc of like conning Howard. I think that'll happen next episode. I think the mid season finale will be like, they're going to wrap up this Howard story. And then I think 6B will start with Lalo stuff getting wrapped up because I think I'll say right now, um, I'll, and you can hold me to this because I'm not, I'm not trying to be a total fanboy. I will say I will be disappointed if Lalo does not interact with Jimmy or Kim before the end of the show. If, if Lalo just, if Lalo has his showdown with Gus and Mike and he never interacts with Jimmy or Kim, I will be disappointed and I will be on the record saying I'm upset that the writers did this. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think there will be a tie in where Lalo sees Jimmy or Kim just has to be one scene where he sees one of them. If he doesn't see either of them for the rest of the show, I'll be upset. Cause I think the way they ended season five, we, we need more Lalo interacting with Jimmy and Kim. And I hope he does. And I think we'll get a little bit of that at the beginning of six B. And I think the prequel will be wrapped, wrapped up in episode nine or 10. That's my guess. And then I think the last two or three episodes will be Gene stuff and Breaking Bad stuff. That, that's mm-hmm. my prediction. And the, I could yeah. be way wrong, but that's what I'm throwing out there for predictions. Yeah, same. That adds up for you? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I'd to be, that. Yeah. yeah, and I think it would sort of make up for us not getting a Lalo and Nacho interaction. So. Yeah, yeah. But I've, yeah, I've been also thinking about how I, underwhelming I, that would be. I, I still think Lalo's death, like his demise, that'll be tied to Gus and Mike. But I think at least give us a scene or two where he, he like, interacts with Jimmy or Kim. You got to have, like, that has to mean You something. have to have it. Yeah. Like, and it also has to explain the whole Jimmy and Breaking Bad saying, it wasn't me, it was Ignacio. Did Lalo send you? I think something mm-hmm. still has to happen there, right? So Lalo's got to interact with one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I think that, mentioned that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's pretty much it. We covered a lot. This is definitely our longest episode reaction, but we had really fun. Uh, we had, <laughs> we had really fun. I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> wait, we what had, did you say? What did you say? I, I said we had really fun. <laughs> we had really wait. Does that make sense? We no, not really, at all. We had fun. We had really we had, fun. That makes no <laughs> we sense. Had really fun. Yeah, I was like, does that make sense? <laughs> we had a lot of fun. This makes more sense. <laughs> no, I'd say we we had really fun. As in we had really fun doing this. Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, doesn't make sense, a, man. Yeah, it doesn't so you're, make sense. You're drunk well, that, yeah, it's like, well, I'm just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> one of the two. Yeah. We, had, we had a lot of fun doing this one. Um, that was probably like an hour and a half, just one episode, but I don't care. Um, last thing I want to do before we end off, I got to give a shout out to another fan. So we gave a shout out to Omar a couple episodes ago. I forget which one, but uh, thanks for listening, Omar. This is a new fan we have. Um, I want to give a shout out to Michael. And the coolest thing about Michael... Well, two things. First of all, he's from Japan. 
Isn't that awesome? Like he lives in Japan. Michael from Japan. What's he's up? Li- dude? He's living in Japan, which I didn't is just know we awesome. have fucking viewers yeah. from Japan. And, and I never told you this. Omar lives in Australia. Isn't that awesome too? So oh, like damn. Australia and Japan, we're going global, man. Dude, we are fucking. <laughs> we're on top of the world right now. Yeah, it's awesome. Like two fans. That's all I need, man. Two people listening to us and loving every episode. That's just so satisfying. Um, even though we actually have way more than two. Like we we've, we've been getting almost a hundred listens on some of these Better Call Saul ones, man. Like. Our um our episode three four and five got all got over a hundred so like we're doing well like it's pretty crazy, yeah. Um, some of those are people I know, but I, I just still... think it's so cool that people would because me personally I can't suit I can't sit through like an entire fucking podcast yeah and listen to the whole thing so I, I think it's really cool that people are like yeah actually I mean want to listen to us re- really what it is is our love for these shows it, they they relate to it man like they love these shows as much as us and it's just awesome that like especially michael and omar i've been talking to and they, they really love how like into these shows we get and i gotta read one thing that michael said that really hit me hard and like i really appreciated this message is what he said was let me let me read this to you luke um he said I'm in my early 20s and I live outside of the US, so I don't really have people around me who watch Western TV shows that I can share thoughts with. Your podcast was special to me because I get to hear people around my age talk and discuss about my favorite shows. So I really appreciate it and I want to thank you, Luke and Kat, too. Isn't that awesome? Uh-huh. Like he's 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 like around our age and he doesn't have people to talk about shows with because he's in and Japan. And we can be like that yeah. source of comfort for him and that, dude. that that means so much to me man that he finds that much solace in our podcast so like ah dude means... michael michael i love you man because like i feel like i don't feel like what we do is pointless obviously i don't feel that but like I, but it's I, just I, for I, fun I, right i don't feel yeah. like it's important at exactly. the same time like i thought of it as outside just, of like fun. our in, our own entertainment so the yeah. fact that we can like provide mm-hmm. that sort of like experience for other people that's yeah. dope it just means so much. Thanks, Michael, for listening. And just like just like Omar, Michael mentioned he's he's listened to a lot of our deep dives. He was he said he watched some shows because of us. Like he started Succession and Barry, I think, because of our podcast. And he likes nice. them both now. And I'm like, damn, like we're influencing his watching habits. Like, oh, it's just so awesome. Even if it's not that many people, just one person is enough. Like we're yeah. we're making an impact. You and know? we got two. We got two big fans who've listened to Michael multiple and deep Omar. dives. Yeah, and we don't know them. That's what's special. Because like like I said, my aunt listens, which is awesome. Like, I love that my aunt listens. But like the fact that someone we don't know who just our opinions stand on our own and like they listen to us, it just means so much. Yeah. So yeah, thank you, Michael. Thank and you, thank guys. You, Seriously. Thank you, thank you, Omar. And then um, last thing I want to say before we end off. I'll be hearing from you guys more too. Yeah, yeah. I've been, they've been messaging me on Reddit. So I'll share stuff with you more. Um, they've been giving me feedback and they really enjoy our deep dives. So like our really long ones, like the ones where we rank episodes and characters. Um, I think it was Omar who said he loved our lists episode. <laughs> our really long yeah, list episode. When we came strapped with lists. Strapped with lists. Yeah. So, so yeah. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Omar. means a lot. Uh, you guys are awesome. And then last thing I want to say is since the mid season finale is next week. So obviously we'll do an episode on that, but during the break, we've been watching Barry season three, right? Barry season three. Yep. It's been enjoyable. You mentioned juggling tones earlier. Barry has been incredible, better than ever with that this season. They really have. It's gotten dark, but in a good way. Yeah. 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 Um, and the comedy's still there. So yeah, you're right. But yeah, we just want to plug the fact we're going to do a Barry season three podcast where we're just going to talk about the whole season and we'll probably release that a week or two after Barry season three ends. So it'll be in June, right when there's a break during Better Call Saul. So it'll be good timing. So yeah, we just we just wanted to tease that and possibly Atlanta too. But I, haven't I was even just started. about to say Atlanta. Yeah, yep. I haven't even started it, but maybe we'll try to do Atlanta as well if we binge it quick or something. 
I think we probably will eventually. Yeah, I think we'll, there's we'll a talk chance. about Atlanta season three. Yeah. yeah. No Anyways, promises, but Barry 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. Barry's like confirmed we're doing it. Atlanta's like yep. a 60 percent, 70 percent, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Um. But yeah, thanks to anyone who's listened. This was a really long one. We had a lot of fun. Um. And we'll see you next week for the mid-season finale. Yep. Goodbye.